welcome to the Enduro World Series podcast, your weekly dose of all things EWS and EWSE. My name is Rick McLaughlin and joining me is mop-haired cycling enthusiast Rory Cunningham. Rory, how's your week been? I heard you've been in the wars. I've had some week, mate. Uh, Commando rolled off a dodgy patio on Saturday night, um, played some horrendous golf, uh, almost electrocuted myself off my stepladder trying to change the sensor light. Um, to anybody that's thinking about doing that in the future, turn off and this, the this this sounds like the intro to casual. Um, um, do you know if ever there's all like the sort of stuff at the start of it? There's a, a guy going up a ladder with a chainsaw above his greenhouse and stuff like that, and everybody's everybody's going to him. Oh, really? Should you be going up that ladder with the chainsaw? <laughs> I never did have Irish accents in casualty, but I mean, it's going to take, let's be honest, it's going to take more than a dodgy patio and an electric shock to, to fail me, so I'm yeah, grand. It's just yeah, you are, you are very hardy, right? Also joining us is someone we've talked about extensively already on the podcast. It is none other than Charlie Murray. Charlie, welcome along. We've not been jealous of your NZ Insta feed at all. How's it going down there? Yeah, thanks for having me, um, boys. It's awesome to be here. Um, yeah, it's been good in New Zealand. We've had a good summer so far. Um, it's kind of winding down a little bit now. We had daylight savings, I think, yesterday. So now it gets dark at like 6 p.m. instead of 7. Or um, down sa- in Queenstown in summer, it's like kind of 9 p.m. So you can go out riding all night, which is pretty cool. Um, um, do, you, do you see that? <laughs> that's a tiny Covid wise, you guys are pretty like you can move around quite a lot, can't you? It's not like we're sort of still on lockdown up here. Yeah, no, we're pretty lucky. Um, It's just Auckland has been going to lockdown like a few times, um, kind of this year, because cases will like escape from isolation. So when you come into the country, you have to go into isolation, and um, if if a case is in there, and then some, you know someone working in that hotel goes home to their family and might get out yeah. and then that city will lock down. So, but in the South Island, we've been able to travel, which has been sweet. Right then, Charlie, business time. Um, I wish I was better at editing these because I would have like, I would have got some kind of theme tune. I'm dancing around telling everyone who you'll be riding for this season and I'm going to leave it to you to tell everyone who is it. Um, Specialised, yeah. Specialized. There we go. It's a big one, isn't it? It doesn't get much bigger than the big red S. Um, how did that all come about? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I'm yeah, so stoked to to get the uh, the call up from those guys. And uh, kind of started last year. I was just looking around after after the short EWS season that we had, um, and a few people had been kind of had had eyes on me during the season. I think mostly thanks to Sven had been. Um, yeah, telling a few people to keep their eyes open, which is super nice of him. Um, and yeah, so Beno got in touch with me, and he actually we met up at the at the World Champs, and he saw me failing to race e bike. <laughs> I think he, he thought that was quite entertaining. So um, yeah, we had a good good catch up, and things have been falling into place since then. Um, so let's just go through the squad. Then it's yourself. Kevin Miguel and Sophia Wiedenroff, uh, they're all really positive people, aren't they? Do you, do you know either of your teammates before signing? Did you know who else was going to be on the squad? Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, I had... Um, yeah, we, we kind of talked about it a bit as we went through and who else was going to be coming along. And it kind of changed from being sort of an ambassador thing to being a team thing. I think they weren't sure what they were going to do 
last year and towards the end of the year they decided like let's actually do a full you know enduro team or e-bike team I think we're racing some e-bike and Sophia's quite keen to do some e-bike as well um so yeah I think that'll be the kind of a bit of a mix so probably the one of the first teams that's doing a mix of e-bike and and EWS and you guys have just got that new e-bike as well, haven't you? The uh, the rather flash <laughs> new turbo Levo. Um, we'll get on to that in a second. Uh, Rory, Kevin McKellie, and we've talked about him before, uh, a class act and someone that it'll probably um, benefit Charlie as well to be involved with. Yeah, Big Kev, as we refer to him on here. Um, I mean, he's uh, you know had multiple podiums. I think he's been in the top three overall. Uh, you have to say the only thing left for him to to kind of tick off is a race win, and, and based on some of his form over the last couple of years, you got you got to say it's coming at some point. So um, yeah, for for someone like Charlie, obviously, I'm sh- I'm sure yourself, Charlie, you'll be looking forward to to riding with him and uh, learning more from him, and um, you know, at the same time, he me might learn. I don't to know. Be, if, uh, I don't know. A little bit more chill. I don't know. Him. I don't know if Kev could be more chilled out. He's a. Uh... <laughs> He's a pretty fun guy, isn't he? I don't know how your dancing is, Charlie, but it might improve over the course of this summer. Yeah, no, I hope so. He definitely um, he knows how to have a good time, and he's pretty quick on the bike, so I think we're going to get on pretty well. I'm excited to, yeah, definitely excited to ride with him. Um, haven't really spent much time riding with Europeans or Frenchies, so it's going to mm-hmm. be, yeah, cool to learn all their little tricks and try and get onto some of his speed. I think um, I think what's really I mean we've talked about it before on here obviously but I think what really impresses me about Kevin is just his like there's a there's a class of rider in the EWS saying around the top ten that are just fast every weekend no matter what the conditions are what the trails are like what the stages are like and Kevin's definitely in that bracket I think his consistency is yeah. just superb Sophia as well Sophia's one of those riders that I think is right on the periphery as well do you know what I mean she's um she's definitely she's got top fives on her and she's got potentially podiums on her I think so that'll be really interesting did you um well not mention the failed uh e-bike worlds attempt Charlie but have you spent much time <laughs> on an e-bike so far um I've had a, a bit of a play on the Levo over the last few months but not enough I, every time I get on it I'm like I need to do more of this because it's just so much fun you're always smiling yeah, it's the, the the technical climbing, obviously, with the the power stage that we have in the EWSE, but the actual technical climbing side of it is mm. you're you're having fun in places where you didn't used to believe that fun could exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that it's such a good development in the sport of mountain biking is to have the yeah the e-bikes, and they're getting so good now that I think I think the this super light the Levo SL. It's the same weight as my race bike last year, my my normal bike. That's incredible. So, Do you um you've obviously got um a bit of a background, haven't you, in the mountains? Um, you've been sort of you know big into the outdoors sort of scene basically your whole life, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we're pretty lucky living where we live uh, down in the Southern Alps in New Zealand. Uh, we'd try and you know, get up skiing and climbing, and Dad was always into that stuff, so he would take us along and have kind of kept that up throughout yeah throughout my life so far and keen to keep doing it where I can fit it in because yeah it's just nothing like being out in the wilderness as I'm sure you guys know mm. yeah no it gets uh, it gets pretty wild down where, where Rory is um <laughs> tell us a bit about um 
Just tell us a bit about the skiing as well. Where did that sort of start? Where did, what sort of uh, adventures did you have with that? Uh, yeah, the skiing, we had like a little holiday house in the, in the mountains in New Zealand and we'd go up there on the weekends and go skiing. There was a ski field, or there still is a ski field uh, called Mount Olympus. It's a club field and it's tiny. It's got like three little rope toes. You guys probably, do you have rope toes in Scotland? Or you probably do. Um, I presume we do. Maybe. Yeah. You're missing. You're actually. You're missing. If Baller was on this, if Chris Ball was on, then he would have yeah. more idea about skiing. Rue and I are being polite. Yeah. We don't really ski, so we don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be. I'll be quick then. <laughs> we try and cover. We try and cover a variety of bases that a normal adult could talk about between three people. Yeah. Generally, it's how we work. Chris. Chris yeah, would yeah. go full ski nibble on this, wouldn't he? Be. <laughs> yeah, he so would. Cause, level, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know, because I've um I've had big big chats with him before about the skiing and the ski tour. He loves he loves the planks. He's got lots of different planks in his house. I've been I've I've slept among those planks over the years. <laughs> so tell us about then. I think this is a really interesting one, Charlie. From um from a fan's point of view, of whenever you get the call from the likes of a specialized and stuff. Like in terms of getting bikes, have you tried a few different bikes? And I saw you raced. You've actually won on the status already, haven't you? Um, that was your first mistake, by the way, in keeping the mystery of Charlie <laughs> Murray a mystery. Was winning on that bike. But um, tell us about yeah, what bikes have you tried? How does that sort of come about? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're pretty lucky with Specialized. They make so many good bikes, and I, as soon as I was kind of talking to them, I just went and borrowed a demo. Oh, not a demo an enduro from the local shop, had a spin on that and kind of figured out the sizing. And I always like to ride small bikes. Mm-hmm. So I, most like, if you go on the website, I usually come out at around large or something, but I almost always ride like one size smaller, like a medium, and just put a bigger stem on it because it just feels, for me, it feels better. Mm-hmm. So did that, took the enduro out for a spin and felt awesome, just, just like the pivot. I don't, I'm not really very good at telling difference between bikes myself. I just, as long as it feels kind of similar to my last bike, then I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> and then Joe, then Joe felt mint, so I was like stoked on that. And then the team bike has been a bit delayed getting built up and sent out, so I just had had a status that I was using, and it feels more like a DH bike. The status, it's got like that's their sort of that's a sort of entry level downhill bike, isn't it? It's sort of pitched up, but you do see a lot of them in the UK. Like the, they seem to have carved a wee niche for themselves as a sort of like a a hardcore sort of enduro bike. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with it. Um, it definitely didn't pedal, you know, like some bikes, but you just have to try and pedal a bit harder, and it's, it's all right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was pretty capable up front. Like, it's got this big raked-out front end on it, and it's a mullet, so it's pretty stable. And I, I've been really enjoying it. It was it was perfect for that race. And then... How did you get... How'd you get on with a mullet, actually? That's an interesting one, isn't it? Do you think that's something you're going to stay on board with? Yeah, again, I I don't really know, but I, my DH bike's been a mullet, and the status has been a mullet, but that's completely by accident. Like, that's just, <laughs> I didn't even realise they were mullets for a while, and then and I went to tra- I went to change the tire. I I popped the tire, so I went to change the tire, and I had I had the wrong one because I, I needed a twenty seven and a half. <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to. I'd love. I'd uh, I'd love to try it, but I think the twenty nine is what I've always ridden. And I love it. Yeah. You know, I think it rolls so well through the big stuff. So there's 
not really. I'm still confident the 29 is the fastest for me. And kind of my style because I've that's what I've learned with. But I, I will try the mullet when I get a chance. Like in the in the race bike. Specialized. Uh, they've had some great riders on board over the years recently, but it feels like you really have to go back to that uh, sort of powerhouse combo, I guess you'd say, of Jared Graves, Curtis King for a real presence out on the stages. It's good to see them back for some fresh faces, isn't it, Rory? No, it is, um, and you know I think, like you say, when when Jared and and kind of Curtis stepped away, it was they were missing that presence, and um, yeah, obviously signing Big Kev and and Charlie and um, yeah, it's um, and and Sophia, it's gonna be it's gonna be great to see them back. Obviously, with the if uh, Charlie Hinton might do a few e bikes as well, um, it's gonna be a lot more. Uh, are the bikes going to be red, Charlie? These big red S, or is he? Have you got something <laughs> lined up? Yeah, we've got. Well, I think we've got a custom paint job on the bike at the moment. It looks awesome. It's like red on the back Oof. and then kind of burgundy dark on the front. So nice. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I remember one of one of the most pro things um, I think I witnessed at the EWS was. Was it my first race? No, it was when we went to Tasmania. So it was the second EWS I did in 2017. And Graves won the first stage. Um, and it was belting down with rain. Like, ah, like, it just it went on like a shower. And Jared was wearing a full all-white kit with like specialised branded just like... And Jimber... Graves always does that thing where he matches like I don't know how he does it. He matches his socks to his shoes like Pantone Pantone code perfect, and then he had these white white socks, white shoes on, and he just got absolutely destroyed. But he wrote, but he won the stage, and it was just I don't know. It was just one of those quite cool things. And Specialized have always had that really factory look, haven't they? Like the stuff always looks really good. The squad always look really good. So it's great to see them committing again and getting some fresh faces on there. Um, Rory, I'm going to put you on the spot because Charlie's on the call, but how do you reckon Specialized will do this season? <laughs> I think they'll do well. I mean, Big Kev's going to be there or thereabouts, we know that. Um, and I actually, funnily enough, I did a little bit of digging because I was kind of intrigued to, after Charlie's kind of breakout year last year, I was intrigued to see his kind of racing history before that. Um, and yeah, Charlie, I went back through your results and it's it's actually been quite a good progression. Like you did some EWS in 2018, um, yeah. And your results, I think your best results would be like a kind of 46th or like a top 50. The following year, you kind of broke into the top 30. Um, I think your best was a 26th. And then last yeah, yeah. year, you started and it was like 20th, 14th, 6th. Um, so like a real ramp at the end. But actually, like as a writer and as kind of measuring progression. It's at you know it's it's I think people probably think oh you've come out of nowhere but it's like you know you've actually kind of been building for a couple of years and it's uh, yeah I mean if that progression keeps going then I mean I mean if you're you know if you're sixth what's the next step top five podium I mean where where do you want I mean rather than me answer how I think <laughs> you're gonna do where where do you want to be um where where do you see yeah, yourself kind of racking up that'd be nice um, yeah I'd love to love to go on the podium at some point in the season, that's the goal for sure. But, I mean, anywhere in the top 10, I'd be 
super stoked because mm. yeah, I've only had one race in the top 10 and with um, Hill and, and Richie and a few other guys back in the mix, I think we're going to have a pretty competitive field this year. So mm-hmm. if I can be kind of aiming in the top 10 and landing somewhere near there, I'll be a pretty happy guy. Yeah. Can I just say as well, Charlie, you did remarkably well there for your efforts. That's the most positive I've heard him be about pretty much anyone since we started this podcast. So that's really good. <laughs> um, tell us a bit about last season then from your point of view. Uh, when did you make the decision to come racing? Because it was all obviously 2020 was a bit up in the air, wasn't it? And um, how, did it, uh, how did it go for you? Obviously, well. Yeah, this is actually quite a funny one. Um, I run this event with a friend of mine where we get kind of like about 80, 80 to 90 boys and we all go up to the ski field and stay up there for the weekend and have a big party. Um, it's like a two-day kind of festival of skiing and partying and whatever else, music. And we so we're up there this year and that was kind of like mid-August and the season was like kind of taking a while to get going. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen or what was going on. And I went up there and kind of halfway through the weekend, after a few beers, I just, because the race was like the next week or two weeks later maybe, I just booked a flight to Zermatt. Um, well, actually to maybe Zurich in Switzerland for the next Tuesday. So I went back to work on the Monday after the event and said to my boss, um, sorry, I'm flying to Europe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily my boss, or my bosses at my engineering company were so... They've been awesome supporting me. And they were like, okay, it's a little bit late notice, but I pretty much did an all-nighter that night, getting all my jobs sorted for other engineers and things. Um, and then jumped on the plane to Europe. And I told Eddie I was coming, but he didn't believe me. He thought I was, like, joking because I hadn't made any plans, obviously. And then <laughs> the next thing he um, got was just a message from me saying, oh, I'm at the pivot pits. Where are you? And he he legitimately thought I wasn't coming. And I'd just flown to... <laughs> Flown to Zurich, jumped on this train with all my gear um, and just trained my way to Zermatt and then just walked to the pits and found the pits. And it was like <laughs> pretty no easy. And luckily there was like room to stay with Eddie because he, he said that. But yeah, they, weren't really, they didn't really think I was going to show up. And um, <laughs> it kind of all worked out from there. I was just hanging out with those guys. Hi, um, hi, uh, how useful is it for you as a racer to have someone as experienced as Eddie sort of to just to chat with and hang out with? Um, oh, it's, yeah, it's pretty good having Eddie. I learned so much from him last year. I think he, he kind of understands how, how I work and it's like he probably came from a similar sort of, sort of place himself, um, maybe not with the pathways that some, you know, riders have, I think. We both just kind of stumbled into into bikes and into enduro, and he just told me, yeah, some pretty uh, give me some good, pretty good tips, and yeah. I've learned heaps from him. And, and how confidence. to have, have fun as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man of confidence, and don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the, enter- the entertainment value of Eddie alone is worth its weight in gold. I mean, I don't think there's anybody at the races that has more fun than him, and. Um, like, yeah, yeah def- definitely doesn't take himself too seriously. But um, you're you're kind of you're laughing you're laughing with him before he's um, he's even said anything, aren't you? <laughs> he just has that sort of look of somebody that just has just done something absolutely amazing and can't wait to tell you about it. <laughs> he's always got a good story. It's yeah, 
No, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's one of the main things is you're always in a positive mindset when you're with him. If you're in his team or if you're, even if you're riding up to the stage with him, you're probably going to have a good stage because you're already happy and positive. Yeah. Do you, do you think the mental side of it's a big one in an enduro racing? Because it's, uh, it's, they're long days, aren't they? You know, it's, and if things aren't going your way, it could be easy for you know, negative thoughts to sort of creep in. Yeah, no, definitely. That's I. Yeah, I've I've kind of realised that a bit recently. Is that it is more mental than I thought. Maybe at the start I just like oh, it's just riding your bike, but when you start to try and yeah figure out how to keep a good focus mindset, but also positive, then it's good. But there's always going to be hard times. Like I, I mean, you guys will both know as well. But you know, some of those big long climbs when you've you know had a, a tough stage, and then you might be running out of water, running out of food, or something. It's pretty hard to to keep the spirits high, but yeah, just with experience, you know that you just push through it, and eventually it turns around, and you're in a good place again. Um, so, in terms of training, then, what are you doing? Um, what are you doing this off season? Are you doing anything differently? Are you approaching things in a different light now? You're saying the specialised. Yeah, I'm trying to do a bit more than I used to, for sure. Um, I've yeah, I've just had a little injury on my finger, so I'm just healing this at the moment. Oh, what have you done? Of, oh, I just broke my pinky. I like clipped a rock on the side of the track, and it's must be two weeks now, so it's getting pretty good. I'm just just about to start getting back on the bike. It was the patio slab. Oh. Really like, no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. <clears throat> Do you think? Um... No, it was a rock, but I wish it was a patio. It might have been a. <laughs> <laughs> Big good story. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Um, obviously, Charlie spoke about last year. Like you still, um, you were still working right up until the the season. Um, mm. Are you are you still working now, or are you? Is this specialised gig now allowing you to go full time, focus on, on racing? Yeah, no, I can, I'm fully racing now. So I yeah. said goodbye to the engineering in like February, I think. Yeah. Well, good man. C- congrats on that. And. Um, it's obviously a big step. Now, this is a funny one because do you think that, like, working right up to the point of basically cracking the top 10 at EWS, do you feel that gives you, like, a, a bigger sense of appreciation for, like, the contract that you have and, and the, the kind of opportunity to to race and, and get paid to, to ride full-time versus kind of almost stepping straight from, you know, being say funded by parents or being at university and then um then getting a contract do you think you know do you kind of get up in the morning and you know you're not kind of up at seven and going into a workshop you're actually up and being like i get to ride my bike and get paid for it today do you think is that something that you kind of you still want to pinch yourself or, or are you like <laughs> a duck to water no i can't believe it yeah it's too good to be true <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you've earned it mate for sure i mean Definitely. Is there um, what what do you because obviously you've got um, you've got more time now. You've got that's the thing that having a pro contract gives you is you know time to focus on your training. We hear a lot from other people that really the best way to train for enduro is bike time. Is that what you're finding, or are you doing more stuff at the gym? What are you up to, or are you doing nothing? Of course, you could just be doing nothing. I could just be. <laughs> yeah, it changes. I just like do I do a big range of stuff. I've never really being a guy who like trains super specifically or like builds up I'll just do one week I might you know go hiking and the other week I might you know bike every day and then the next week I might go 
for a sea kayaking trip or hunting or do something with dad or whatever. So it's kind of like always try and be active and fit and strong. And if I'm in town, I'll go to the gym, you know, a couple of times a week. But I never try and like overdo it. I just do what I kind of want to do. And recently it's been more more biking, um, a bit bit of motorbiking. I bought um, like a two-stroke motocross bike. So I'm just learning how to ride that with Matt Walker, actually. He's taking me out. Show me the ropes, so that's heaps of fun. <laughs> Good stuff. Another, but, another, another right man for the right job. <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you invested in some knee braces? I haven't got knee braces. Um, what have I got? I got some boots. That was pretty key. I was riding without boots for a bit, and that didn't go down very well. No, that's no, not real. No. no. When you hit when you're compression and your like vans just like folds over the foot peg, like <laughs> <laughs> not the one. Yeah, exactly. So no, I, I haven't got the knee braces, but I think Matt's definitely running the knee braces. Yeah, um, how's his ACL coming yeah. along? Is he? Is he? Uh... Yeah, how how is Matt? Because we we did miss him last season. Um, quietly, one of the most consistent bike riders on the planet, actually, Matt Walker. I know he's a bit yeah. of a silent assassin, isn't he? Um, how's he getting on? How's he healing up? Yeah, he's doing well. He's um, I've done a few rides with him. He's pretty fit. I think he always likes to keep pretty fit and he'll go out for he time trials himself up hills while everyone else is still asleep that sort of thing um yeah. but he, no, he's in good spirits so i think he's pretty excited to get back racing because he he really missed it last year i think it's that's something that uh it's something that he and eddie are both really good at downplaying and if you follow them on, on uh, <laughs> social media it just looks like all-time party all the time. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it does. It's actually yeah. to, to compete at the level they compete at, and like for, obviously Eddie with that win back in twenty nineteen to win an EWS. Like you're training hard, and we saw him in uh, Zermatt in twenty nineteen after he'd uh, he'd injured himself. And as you were saying, you know, like you'd uh, you'd sort of emerge out of the the hotel after breakfast and he'd be running up and down the street do you know what I mean like he's they're they're fit <laughs> fit guys they they definitely um play it down that's for sure <laughs> i think yeah i mean they they go out they go hard you know they're, every every ride is like a race to the top sort of thing with those guys which is perfect i think that's what makes that's why they've got to the level they're at because they're pushing each other and now i'm riding with them a bunch they're pushing me and i think it's pretty good for everyone but did you you did that you did that massive ride you did that massive ride with them last year didn't you yeah with mark scott and cole brady and eddie um we rode from sospel to Malini in italy how long did that take it was called the the hell ride um the hell ride. Oh, it, was, it was all day we like st- we started just as it was getting light and we finished in the dark so i don't know 12 hours or something maybe Oh, sounds like a recovery day for Mark Scott. That, He's, yeah, that's, it would that's, be, a, Mark. that's a coffee. That's a, cof, a coffee spin, isn't it, for Mark? It is. Man, he loved it. Every minute of it, he was just. It was the best thing ever, just to have us out there. And we were suffering, and I think that made it even better for him that we were suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen, yeah. Charlie, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. it's a bit later with you than it is here. Um, we can now put it to bed. The mystery of Charlie Murray has been solved we have Mulder and Scully their way out of this one um, good luck on Specialised we can't wait to see you at the races and uh, I think we should maybe about 
I don't know. We'll let you. Uh, we'll let you get your your feet on the table then. Maybe a couple of races in, we could do a catch up with yourself and get uh, Kevin and Sophia on as well. I think that could be really good fun. Yeah, um, that'd be awesome. Maybe I don't know. We we need to do a video though, so we can get Kev dancing. But um, we'll work out a way of doing it. We'll work out a way of doing it. You need, Charlie, you need a, a, a secret camera. A secret camera yeah. at the nightclub after the race. <laughs> no, 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 no cameras in nightclubs. No cameras in nightclubs. Right. <laughs> Charlie, thank you very much, and we'll see you at the races this year. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. Right. See you. There we go, then. Charlie Murray. Um, should say thank you to Charlie as well uh, for obviously giving us that time. Uh, it's evening with him, it's early morning with us. So much appreciated really that's um that's just a good news story isn't it yeah good news um for charlie and for a, for a good lad as well i mean let's be honest he's he's one of the most kind of polite positive racers um that i've kind of had the, the pleasure of dealing with and he never seems to never seems to be phased by conditions or the climbs or whatever else he just loves riding his bike and um doesn't take himself too seriously and you know hopefully we'll We'll see him right up there this year and maybe even achieve that podium that he's, he's set himself the goal of. Let's talk about the Dirt Fund project. Um, the Dirt Fund project, I don't know if you've heard of these guys, Daniel O'Shea. They are basically um, they're a charity that's been set up, a non-profit, uh, and their goal is to get people to donate money so that they can then give lump sums of £1,000 to privateer racers to help them with their racing. Um Really, really worthy cause. They've already had a few people in the EWS, uh, Fergus Ryan, I know, uh, sort of based down south. So they are keeping this going this year. People can apply to get sponsorship from them. Rory, one of my my actual first memories of a young Rory Cunningham was when you used to race in all-black kit um, to signify that you were indeed a privateer. Which was kind of the the equivalent of you know those vans you see driving around with like your ad here written down the side of mm. them, like as a bit of a billboard. Yeah. But um, it worked out for you in the end. Uh, how tough is it being a privateer? Uh, it is tough. I mean, like first and foremost, I had very supportive parents who um, supported me probably at times more than they could afford. Uh, and I was very fortunate that I had a successful junior career and then when I was 19, so straight out of junior, I got a contract, right? But uh, people, you know, there's there's other riders that will kind of find form at, at later points in their career, you know, like I was, I mean, there are, you know, riders who are 16, 17, 18, have that form and they go straight into a professional contract, but there's some people who don't get into mountain biking until that age. But, you know, in their early 20s might still, uh, you know, produce form and results that you know um is right up there and, and warrants a professional deal so there's not kind of one size fits all uh and i think yeah i mean like i say i was very fortunate um you know my, my parents kind of supported me as, as much as they can but um not every not every kid racing has that that level of support or the or the the family behind them that that can um that can help fund it, and I mean, yeah, I mean, something like this is brilliant, you know, for for up and coming racers who to kind of, you know, get to the races and and really showcase what they can what they can do. Um, but yeah, like that, I, I guess the bigger the bigger picture of all of this is, you know, how do we how do we kind of get more kids on bikes and uh, 
you know, if if you look at say football for example, the amount of kids who've come from kind of nothing to get in, you know, professional contracts and playing for Premier League clubs, and there is still that. I feel there's still that. You kind of have to be. You kind of have to be. You know. A little bit more well off. They're going to make there's, it. Mountain there's bike a high price. There's a high price of entry for mountain bike racing, isn't there? That is yeah. something that is. You know, it's. I kind of feel that it's always going to be there to an extent. Um, but a thousand mm. pounds, if you're say if you're based in, I think the the criteria for this is the only criteria to apply for one of these uh, donations is that. Uh, you've got to be based in one of the five countries in the British Isles. Um, and if you imagine if you're someone, if you, if you get, if you get approved and you get the thousand pounds, you're based in say Wales and you want to come up and you want to race something like the EWS, the Victoria EWS and the Tweed Valley, you know, that thousand pounds, that's a massive, that's your, you know, your diesel in the van, the accommodation, the, you know, it's just things that are taken off the list and it's, you know, Mm. food spares i think it's a different thing if you're like if you want to fly to whistler definitely if you want to donate anything Delph, it can be the price of a cup of coffee right up to something a bit heftier or if you're a brand who wants to get involved or if you're a rider who wants to apply for the support of the dirt fund project head over to the dirtfundproject.org now for more info and details about how you can get on and get involved right let's segue seamlessly onto a bit of news that we touched on in a previous episode which is katie winton's new team um former teammate of yours Ruri. in fact she's local you if you look out your window you might see her former world number three and is one of the biggest names to have still had a question mark beside her uh, she's released a new video series keeping up with katie um where she sort of talks about um how tough it is to get a pro deal and to stay at that sort of front end of racing. I don't think I'm just trying to work out when this is going to come out compared to whenever her announcement's going to come out. We haven't had official word from her yet, but good to hear that she does have something sorted out, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's um, for Katie. Sometimes you need something like this to really kind of give you that that hunger again and that drive and. It can be one of these things that can kind of make or break a rider. Uh, you know, I remember riding for Maxis in 2011 and was national champ, like won national championship, uh, championships in the UK, and then the team folded last minute, and I was left with nothing for 2012, and ended up riding like uh, got a bike from Alpine Bikes, a local bike shop, and, and clothing from Pock, and just scraped something together for the year. Um, and you know, I had like some some really really good performances as a privateer, and then the next year signed with Junior. So, um, yeah, I think it's all. It up. kind of puts your it, it puts your own destiny back in your hands to an extent as well, doesn't it? Whereas although yeah. you don't have that support, you also don't have that support. You know, it's all about you. Mm. And I think for some people, and I think Katie is one of these people. I think she'll probably she'll probably thrive under that mm. and real you know and sort of yeah. She's she's an extremely determined, gutsy rider as well. I think yeah. this is a, I think it'll definitely be yeah. I, good for. I think her. it's you know we've spoken with Charlie and um, one thing we didn't really touch on was the you know he's obviously got expectations and goals and what he wants to achieve and you know that being the UBS podium. But something we don't often talk about: what are the expectations of the brand paying for you? 
the only expectation on her is what she places on herself. And that can give writers that mm-hmm. space to figure out not only, you know, that not only allow them to kind of just focus on what they're doing and they're racing, but actually kind of allow them to figure out what they want, not necessarily what yeah. whoever's, you know what I mean, paying their salary wants. And it could be it could be one of the best things for her. Do you think, though, whenever you look back at whenever you were racing on Maxis at that time, compared to what athletes now face in the likes of the EWS, in terms of what brands expect media-wise, mm. presence-wise, we heard, we heard Charlie mention that initially his specialised deal came about because they were talking about an ambassador sort of role, which isn't necessarily results-driven, results-based. I'm guessing that is more sort of there's a video component to that, there's a social media component to that, there's appearing at um, shop rides, there's that kind of... Do you think that the goalposts have shifted and are a bit more complicated now than being purely, you're an athlete, we pay you to do as well as you, as well as we think you can do? Definitely. And I think the, big, the biggest driver behind that has been social media. Like in 2011, mm-hmm. you had Facebook, but it was kind of more for your mates, really. Um, you know, I kind of, I guess I made a, a, a name for myself as a junior, not just through race results, but from kind of featuring in the Earth series um, as well. And that was kind of, you know, it got released at the end of the year. And that was, you know, there wasn't countless videos just every day to, to look at. It was kind of like you waited all year for a DVD and then you watched it a hundred times over the winter. Um, that's, I, I think, I, it, to be honest with you, I had this, I had the same, I had the same feeling last week. I was kind of like, oh, this, you know, I'm sort of, you do, you've a word with yourself every now and again about how much you're on social media and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is just getting into a churn. And what I find is that I get this realization at this time of the year, every year, because I haven't been to a bike race in ages. I haven't, I mean, that's what I love doing is going and, you know, reporting on a bike race and watching racing and watching the best in the world go as fast as they can. And I think social media almost acts as a bit of a, a reminder that there's no racing on at the minute mm. for a lot of the time. But I think once the season gets going and things get uh, things get lively again, I think then I'm all right with it because mm. I see more action from bike races on my screen. Maybe I'm just old and past it, but, you know, I don't know. I'm definitely, from this, from this episode, I'm, I'm getting a waft of age of the pair of us. I mm. think we're sort of like, you know that, that bit of camembert in your fridge that you open the fridge one day and you think, oh, I need to put that in some Tupperware to begin <laughs> the pawn a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not, it's not done. We're not in the bin yet, but I think we're definitely getting older. Listen, one thing we do, uh, we should mention as well, uh, on that specialised team also is, um, I'm, I want to say Che Che Kamoin. It might be Chi Chi. If it's Chi Chi, I apologise. Um who is a he's a, a young young junior racer also on that squad from um, from Corsica, and you follow him if you take a look at his uh, his Instagram account, absolute pinner on everything from a downhill bike to an enduro bike to a surfboard to a Peugeot one hundred and six, um, definitely definitely shifts and would look like somebody that specialised have done very well in securing their services off. There's a, He's on podiums with in Coupe de France with the likes of uh, Antoine Vidal, 
as well. So mm. definitely great to see. If you take one thing away, I think, really, from this episode is that it's great to see Specialized um, announce that team, a team of uh, really good riders and a team of really good racers, first and foremost, I think. So excited to see what they bring to the table this season. Look, I've got... Um, another page and a half of stuff to get through but it's all stuff that can wait I think we need to leave that for this week and thank you very much for your time as ever I look forward to an update on your thumb don't go uh, strenuously testing too many smoke alarms I'll uh, I'll try not to I'll have to check when the barber's open as well I actually bumped into my uh, I was out of track building last week and actually bumped into my barber and I said I'm going to have to come and see you soon and he said take your hat off and I took my hat off and went no chance mate take too long so uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to have a plan. I'm gonna have to have a plan B, but um, we'll get around to it. Mate, as soon as you can travel, there are clippers in my house. <laughs> right, speak to you next week. Right, good to talk to you, mate.